Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. I want to I start out by showing you a portion of Scripture found in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 20, and we're going to just dive right in today. So it's uh, normally I'll, I'll kind of get us all in, on the same page. Today we're just diving straight in. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, He, meaning Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world. How many are grateful that we have Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord? Amen. <laughs> He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God. So you believe in God because of Jesus, who God obviously raised him from the dead and glorified him. So, so stop, let's stop right there. So actually, this is a very, this would be a verse that we could easily share on an Easter Sunday. Today's not Easter but we could share it because it's talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God raised Jesus from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Let's stop right there. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Or because of Jesus' resurrection, we can easily and permanently put our faith in him and in our heavenly father based on the resurrection, based on the resurrection. So Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, and that word in the Greek, obeying in the Greek, really uh, means to submit to or to comply with. So, so it says obeying the truth, it's submitting to the truth or complying with the truth. Okay, so it's not a matter, let me say it this way, because when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a matter of works, it's a matter of putting our faith in the Lord Jesus, we are saved by grace through faith. So putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is submitting to or complying with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It is complying with truth. How many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So we're, we're submitting to truth by obeying the truth. It says, so now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart. And we're going to come back to that. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of, of, of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. By the way, which is also true. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Let's stop right, right there, there just, just for a second. second. So what he's doing is he's putting some thoughts together here. He's putting some truths together that need to stand out to you and I. So he's saying this, that hey, Jesus Christ not only suffered on the cross, but was raised to new life. And because of the proof of the resurrection, it proves Jesus is Lord. We put our trust in him or we submit to that truth. We accept Christ as Savior, as Lord. And then out of that, we develop this deep love for one another, remembering 
that all of us are like grass that withers, like flowers that fall, like flowers that fade, another translation says, meaning this, that one out of every one dies. One out of every one is going to have to stand before God one day. So he's saying, hey, we're looking at the resurrection. We're looking at the love that we have for one another. But we're also looking at the brevity of life. We're looking at the fact that, that all of us one day have to stand before God. He said, so all people are like grass. All, the glory is, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord, or the truth, endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Okay, so... Uh, if this is a word that was preached in the Bible, it should also be a word that is preached today. Meaning the message that I'm going to be proclaiming to you today, teaching you today, is something that I'm obligated to teach because it's in the Bible, because it's in God's word. And, and God has given, uh, put, put, let me say it like this, a mandate upon my life and really sh should be every life of every Bible teacher out there to teach about the resurrection of Christ, to teach about love, but also to teach about the brevity of life and the fact that one of these days we're all going to stand before God. And so I'm, I'm teaching a message because I've been mandated to do so. But in this message, it should be something that, that opens your eyes. So I want you to write this down. Number one, that biblical truth hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. It hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. That we, could, we know that we can trust the word of God. We know that we can trust the teaching or trust the truth found in God's word because Jesus was not only prophesied about, but fulfilled all of those prophecies. He, he lived the perfect life. He, he was born of a virgin, lived the perfect life. He died upon the cross, and he, then he was resurrected to new life. And the resurrection changes everything. For instance, if Muhammad had resurrected from the dead, I'd be paying more attention to what Muhammad teaches. But how many know he wasn't raised to new life? But Jesus was. If Buddha was raised to new life, I'd put more emphasis on, on what Buddha would say, but he wasn't raised to new life. How many know Jesus is the only one that, that not only was raised to new life, but actually prophesied his death and resurrection, and then it actually happened? Like, I've got to listen to him, because he's not in the grave anymore. And there's biblical proof of that, and there's, there's even non-biblical proof. Of that, Other people who, who talked and read, wrote about the same things that those events actually occurred. So biblical truth hinges on the resurrection. Now let's, I'm, I'm going to show you even more so why that is. First Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth and he's teaching them these fundamental truths. And he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And your faith, new song, if Jesus wasn't risen, then your faith is useless. Like you, there's no reason for us to meet today if Jesus was still in the tomb. That this would all be for naught. But he's not in the tomb. You're like, Pastor, that, that sounds like an Easter message to me. Well, you'll hear more, more about that next week too. But it hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Biblical truth does. 
So he says, he says, verse 15, and we apostles would all be lying about God. Like if we, if we, if we preach Jesus, but he wasn't raised from the dead, then everything that I would be saying would be false. I would be lying about God. Because Jesus' resurrection proves the word of God to be true. Because it was all prophesied. And Jesus fulfilled every prophecy. So he's talking about truth here. He said, hey, hey, listen, I'm telling you the truth. And the proof that I'm telling you is based upon the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, we apostles would, would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that cannot be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And, there, and if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. So what he's doing is th there's this issue that's cropped up in the life of the early church, and he's addressing this doctrinal issue that's cropped up about the resurrection from the dead. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. Second time he said it now, and you, you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, if Christ isn't raised, you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Why? Because we're living a lie. Because we are not holding to truth. Our faith would be useless. But how many know that we're not living a lie? We're living the truth. Why? Because Jesus is no longer dead. He is very much alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And one of these days, he's going to come back for his bride, the church that loves him and has surrendered to his lordship. How many think that's going to be a good day when he comes when he comes again. So number two, write this down, that the resurrection of Jesus demands that we not only trust him as Savior, but if, if the resurrection proves his lordship, then we have to trust his teachings as well. That you cannot trust Jesus as Savior wholeheartedly and not trust all of the teachings that he brought to the table too. So if he is Lord and he is, and if he has risen and he has, then not only his life, but all of his teachings are true and should be completely embraced and adhered to. Number three, write this down. So accordingly, Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Did you know that? He talked about hell more than anybody else in the entirety of God's word. You're like, oh, no, we're going to talk about hell today. I don't want to I need some encouragement today, Pastor. I don't want to talk about hell. Hang with me. Just hang with me. Hang with me because there's good news. It is, after all, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to teach you some things. I, I say all of that to say this. If Jesus is Lord and he is, if he is risen and he is, if we're going to celebrate that resurrection next Sunday morning, and it's going to be a big day, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, it's going to be encouraging, we're going to share the gospel of grace. If we really believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ, and we do, and if he really is Lord and he is, then we have to listen and read and embrace and live out all of his teachings 
You, you, can't, you can't look at Jesus and say, well, Jesus, I'm glad you died for my sins, and I trust you as Savior, but I don't believe anything else that you said. How many know you would be a hypocrite if that were the case? You wouldn't actually be a real believer if that was the case. You would just be hoping that you would be living out a get-out-of-hell-free card. But if you really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to hold to his teachings. And he had a lot to say about a topic, about a place that very few pastors and preachers around this nation is talking about. And it's the place called hell. It's a place called hell. I want you to take a few notes this morning, write these things down. I'm going to break this down to you and in, in, in very quickly, very, very quickly. I'm not going to hang out on each, each topic for a long time here, but number one, I should say letter A, write this down, that hell is a real place, that hell is a real place. And I'm going to read some verses that will kind of, uh, well, not kind of, will definitely reiterate these truths. Matthew 25, 46, this is Jesus speaking. And he said that the, the people that don't know him, that don't trust him as Savior, that don't trust God's plan of salvation, that they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. They will go away. For people who don't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will go away. To where? To hell, the Bible says. Why? Because it is a very real place. And we have pastors and churches and believers that love talking about heaven, but not a lot of people I know love to talk about hell. And why would we? Why would we? It's not a place of it's not a place of fun. It's not a place of freedom. It's not a place of joy. And we just kind of want to avoid the topic. But Jesus did not avoid the topic. Jesus did not avoid the topic. That he talked about it more than anybody else in the Bible. How many know that this has to be a conversation that we need to have in the church? If it was important to Jesus, it should be important to us. And hell is a very real place. See, the, the trouble I have, everybody, the trouble that I struggle with oftentimes is, as a pastor, I've had to officiate a multiple dozens and dozens and dozens of, of funerals. And, 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 and praise be to God that most of them are, are funerals of a believer who is in the presence of the Lord. But there are times where I have to officiate a funeral of somebody that there was no evidence whatsoever that they were a follower of Christ, that they submitted their life to the Lordship of Jesus that they truly trusted him as Savior. And those are very, very difficult funerals for me to officiate because everybody takes it for granted in that room, the ones who don't know Jesus, they'll say these things, well, oh, they're just in a better place. They're, well, at least they're, they made it to heaven. As if, as if hell isn't real. As if, as if hell doesn't exist, that, that the only place after this that this life that we live, the only place is heaven, and so, so everybody must go there. And it troubles me, everybody. It, it troubles me because they don't know the, the, the reality of hell, and they don't know the finality of hell. But let me say it this way. If hell wasn't real, why, why did Jesus have to die? Did he, have to, did he have to suffer and die? Would, have, would he have had to suffer and die if all of us get to go to heaven anyway? The answer is no. Like if hell is not a real place, then why did Jesus have to die? He had to die to save us from hell. 
to save us from eternal separation from God and to save us from eternal torment. He had to die. It was what God's plan was since the creation of the world. God had a rescue plan in place for us. Why? Because hell is very much real. In fact, Jesus Christ himself said they will go away if they don't trust God's plan of salvation, if they don't put their trust in me, they will go away to eternal punishment. Did you know that hell is mentioned over 160 times in the Bible? Over 160 times. How many know when something is written over 160 times, it's not symbolic. It's not figurative. It's reality. That hell is real. That hell is real. And Jesus didn't only reference hell, but he actually described it in great detail. And we see details of it throughout the Bible. And I'm going to give you a few details about the reality of hell. First of all, it's a real place. Let it be. Write this down. That hell was not designed for humanity. Hell was not designed for humanity. It wasn't designed for you. It wasn't designed for any human being. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 41, in fact, this is Jesus again. He's speaking this. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, meaning those who never put their trust in the lordship of Jesus, depart from me, I did not know you, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, the devil and demons. So hell was not prepared for humanity. Hell was prepared for the devil and demons. Now, this is hard for some people to get, that it wasn't designed for us. So contrary to popular belief, hell is not a place, listen to this, hell is not a place that God sends people. Hell, I'm going to say it again, hell is not a place where God sends people. Hell is the default destination of humanity. It's where every person is going who doesn't put their trust in the, Lord, in the Lordship or in Jesus Christ. If they don't trust Him as Savior, if they don't believe in Jesus, it is just the default destination. Why? Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So God doesn't send people there. It's our default destination. God doesn't send people there. God rescues people from there. He delivers people from hell, from separation from him. He delivers them from pain and from torment, from eternal punishment. He doesn't send them. He rescues them. He rescues them. And so when people, how does, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't. Our sin sends us to hell. It's our default destination. Why? We're born in sin. We're born in sin. But in God's presence, there will be no sin. Why? Because he's holy. 100% holy. So God doesn't send people to hell. Humanity can either stay in a state of depravity and be eternally punished, or they can put their trust in Jesus Christ and receive the gift of redemption. They can be rescued. But it's their choice, just like it's your choice. And God has done everything that he can 
to the extent of sending his own son into the world as payment for our sins so that we could be in heaven with him forever and ever. So make no mistake, hell is a real place, but it was not designed for humanity. However, because of sin, it is our default destination. And Jesus came to rescue us. Let us see, write this down. Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of torment. It's a place of pain. Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Jude 1.7 says, In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion, and they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of what? Of eternal fire. Of eternal fire. That hell is a place of torment. It is a place of pain. And it's never ending. It's eternal. Hell is a place where there is no light. Write that down. Hell has no light. I'm going to break this down to you a little bit more because a lot of people don't think about this, but Matthew 25, 30, again, Jesus talking about this place of hell is a place of utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of utter darkness. So, so all the, and you know how it is. You've heard this from television or you've heard this from friends. Well, well, if I go to hell, at least I'm going to turn it into a party. Like me and my friends, we're just going to party it up. And then hell, can I tell you something? They won't be able to see their friends. It's a place of utter darkness. Utter darkness. You won't be able to see anything or anyone. How many enjoy being in the dark? Not so fun. Think about that for all of eternity. That there will be no sight. That you won't know who's there and who's not there. In fact, I believe that your thoughts will still be to the extent in which you wonder, did my mom make it? Did my dad make it? Did my, did my brothers make it? Did my sisters make it? Did my loved ones make it? Did my friends make it? Because we have the story in Scripture in which a, a man goes to hell and, he, and there's, this, there's this communication between a man in hell and, and, and someone in heaven. And there's this back and forth that goes. And he goes to the point of saying, hey, could you at least just tell my family that, that, that they don't want to be here just to trust me and just do whatever it takes to not, to not come to this place. Like, I'm worried that they, that they might be here, that they might come here. Could you think, put yourself there, the hopelessness of that. To know that you're not the only one suffering, but that others would be suffering too. Now, I pray that none of you obviously ever experience hell, and you don't have to, and I'm going to give you a chance at the end of the service to make things right with God if you need to. Utter darkness, no party, no lights, no friendship, no conversation. Hell has no light. It also, letter E, hell offers no relief. Revelation 14, 11, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and there will be no rest day or night. No relief whatsoever. Again, going back to that story in the New Testament says, he says, listen, can you at least dip your finger in water and just, just, 
Just dip it. I, I'm not even asking for a cup of water. I, I just want a little, a, little, a little trace of water upon my tongue. And the answer was no. Why? Because there is no relief for all of eternity. There's no rest. It's just constant torment, constant darkness, constant separation from God and others throughout all of eternity. Am I getting your attention today? Am I getting your attention? No relief. But can, can I just take a 10-minute break here? No. No relief. No relief. Letter F, hell is, we've already referred to it, but hell is eternal. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, and I could have given you dozens upon dozens of scriptures for all of these, but trying to keep it quick, that they will be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That hell is eternal, but can I tell you something else? That hell is also hopeless. There's no relief. And by the way, you'll be completely shut out from the presence of the Lord. Hopelessness. Total hopelessness. Total hopelessness. And we have to talk about it. Why? Because it's true. That right now we live in a world that everybody just takes it for granted that everybody gets to go to heaven. And can I tell you something? That is not true. We have to know we have to believe in the reality of heaven and the reality of hell and the finality of heaven, but also the finality of hell. Why? Jesus did. He believed. He, he not only preached about it, but that's why he came into this world to save us from the penalty of our sins, which is death. You know, hell is referred to as the second death. The second death. So picture this. It's Palm Sunday. Jesus is, is entering into Jerusalem. He knows, about, he, he knows what's about to happen. He knows that, that the, the same people that are ushering him, him into the city, that, that are laying their coats and the palm trees on the ground, and they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the Son of David. But they're singing all of these songs and saying all of these sayings, and he knows full well that the same people that are crying out to his glory are going to be the same ones who cry out for him to be crucified just a few days later. And he goes into the city anyway. Why? Because hell is real. And he didn't want to endure it. He asked God, God, is there another way? And his, his own father, his heavenly father, our heavenly father said, no, Jesus. This is the only way. Somebody has to pay the penalty for their sins. Somebody has to die. And it has to be somebody who is perfect, spotless. Jesus, that's you. And Jesus says, I don't want to do it, but I will. Why? Because Jesus believed and believes in the reality of hell. If he didn't, he wouldn't have done it. But how many know that he did it? 
He did it so that we would not have to be eternally separated from our Heavenly Father. And from the joy that awaits us in heaven. He's like, okay, 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 Pastor, are you going to hit me with good news anytime soon? Would be great. There's one more point. Letter G, write this down that hell is avoidable. And nobody has to go there who puts their trust in Jesus. Let me read something to you out of 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Who does he want to come to repentance? Everyone. Even the person at work that drives you absolutely nuts. Even the one that you know, the family member or the friend or the co-worker that you're like, you know what, Christ isn't in them at all. They are the most vile person I've ever met. Can I tell you that Jesus died for their sins just as he died for your sins. That Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. And hell is avoidable. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. So there's some people in this room, no doubt, there's some people here in this room or watching online that you're like, I, you know what, I, I don't want to go to hell and I'm scared of that. I don't even like talking about it. I don't like, I'm going to address two, two issues in the room. First of all, if that's you, you don't have to be scared. You just have to place your trust in the Lordship of Jesus. You have to place your trust in Christ. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we confess with our mouths. So we believe in the birth of Christ. We believe in the life of Christ. We believe in the death of Christ, that he, made, that he made the way for us, that he paid the penalty of our sins. And he was the only one that could do it. But he was also raised to life three days later, proving that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and God's plan of salvation. Like, I, I, I put my trust in him. And if you do that, the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. That every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you don't have to go to hell. It's avoidable. And if you're scared this morning, you don't have to be. You don't have to be scared. Rest assured, Jesus died for your sins. He died for you. So that you don't have to go there. And all you have to do is put your trust in the work of Jesus. Don't put your trust in your own works or in your own goodness. Oh, they're such a good person. Obviously, they made it to heaven. No. That's not how it works. Going to heaven is not based upon your works. It's based upon the work of Jesus Christ. That's what it's based on. And our trust in that work. If you get to that place and you surrender your life to Jesus, you can settle that here today. You settle it here today. That's the first thing. The second thing, for everybody else in this room that you have placed your trust in Christ and you've been saved, you've been born again, then the reality of hell should produce such a boldness in you that you think eternal thoughts all the time. I mean this literally, new song. I'm not saying this to get your attention. I mean this literally. That no matter where I go, no matter who I talk to, I'm always thinking eternal thoughts. Do they know Jesus? Does he know Jesus? Does she know Jesus? 
Are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? I'm thinking those thoughts all the time because I know something. I know the statistic that 100% of humanity will stand before God one day. And it has produced in me a boldness. Why? Let's go back to this first verse. That I believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And I have submitted myself. I have complied with that truth. And because of that, God has given me a love that I've never had before. And I love others deeply from the heart, First Peter says. And I am concerned about them. Are they going to go to heaven or are they going to go to hell? And it has produced a boldness in me to talk to whoever I can about the grace of our Father in His Son, Jesus. And it should produce a boldness in you. Every single person that you know or ever will know will stand before a holy God. And they will either hear these words, enter in, come into heaven, or depart from me. I never knew you. The reality of heaven. Oh, we love to talk about heaven. But also the reality of hell. Do you have boldness in your life to make a difference in the lives of others? Based on the fact that just as much as heaven is real, so is hell. And we're going to pray for that today. That's why we always tell you, if you've ever noticed, if you've ever noticed here at New Song, I always say these things and I'll say them again. I'll say it today. But I, I try to, to tell you all the time to live your life just inviting people to Christ. But if you don't know how to yet, at least invite them to church and I'll invite them to Christ. You see how that works? But you should be the one. You should know how to invite somebody to Christ. But if you don't, invite them to church so I can invite them to Christ. But let me say this too, by the way. You say, well, what if they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to? What if they want to talk about Noah and the ark? And I don't really understand that whole thing. And could all of those animals fit in that one boat? And I've got some questions about that. You know what? Can I tell you something? Don't, don't debate those type of things. I never debate those type of things. First of all, I don't like to debate. But what I tell people is, and I learned this a long time ago from another pastor who said there was a man that fulfilled every ancient prophecy ever spoken about him. And he predicted his own death and his resurrection. And he not only predicted those things, but actually lived it out. He experienced the very things that he predicted, including his death and his resurrection. I might not have all of the answers to your questions, but if a man predicts his death and resurrection and then experiences it, I'm going to submit my life to him because he's the only one to have ever done so. And he deserves some, some attention in my life. And I'm going to listen to that man. 
See, see, think, think about it like this, everybody. If I predicted my own death and then, and then resurrection, and I'm standing here today being resurrected, how many know you'd be listening to me? And it's the same thing with Jesus. You don't have to know all the answers. You just point them to Jesus. You just point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Would you stand up with me this morning? I've done the very best I can to present this to you. In a way that I, I pray, even though we talked about a tough issue, that at the end of it, you know that there is hope in Christ. And you don't have to leave this place scared. You can have assurance of your relationship with Christ. Well, pastor, how do I do that? The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you're going to be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. It's that simple. It's not some mantra you repeat. It's, it, it's, not, it's not you have to say these certain words in order to make it happen. It, it's, not, it's not the words that you speak. It's the heart that you present to God, a heart of surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever comes to Jesus, in fact, Jesus said himself, whoever comes to me, John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So if you come to Jesus and say, please accept me, Jesus always says yes, always. And today you can be changed. You can be, as the Bible says, born again. You can be saved. You can be saved from what? from the penalty of your sins. You can be saved from a very real hell. And you can experience life like you've never known it before in Jesus. And I'm gonna give you the chance. Now, after I pray here, I, I want you to know, I'm, I'm gonna pray with you. I'm not gonna call you out. You don't have to come forward. The, today is not a day where you have to go public. That's when you get baptized. A few weeks from now, we're gonna baptize some people. So you can go public on that day. Today, I'm not going to call. This is just between you and the Lord. I will ask you to raise your hand. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. And then after we do that, for the rest of you, don't move around after that because we're still not done yet. Because the rest of us have something that we need to respond to as well. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? For anybody in this room, you are ready to submit your life to Jesus Christ. And you know in your heart that there is no hope outside of Christ and you believe in your heart that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, paying the penalty of your sins and my sins and the sins of the world and was raised to new life and you're ready to put your trust in him, to surrender your life to him. I'm gonna ask you, with nobody looking around, Raise your hand really, really high. Let me see who you are. All right. At least 11 hands. Anybody else? Okay, there's another one in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so proud of you. You can put your hands down. And I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I want you to just pray in your heart. Again, it's not your words, it's your posture before God. It, it's God knows your heart. So even if you just say, 
God, that's me. Save me. Can I tell you that's enough? And the prayer goes something like this. Jesus, I believe in your birth. I believe in your life. I believe in your death on the cross. And I believe in the resurrection that you were raised to life three days later. And today I've placed my hope in you. And I place my trust in you. I invite you into my life as Lord, as Savior. Today I surrender my life to you. And I thank you. That now that I've done that, that your word is true, that every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. So I thank you that right now, not based upon my own works, but based upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and resurrection power, that I am saved by grace, that I have been born again. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for for rescuing me from the default destination of hell. Thank you for being a rescuer, a deliverer. Thank you for saving me. New song, could we just all lift up our hands? Just no matter how long you've been a Christian, and just thank the Lord for saving you. Thank you, Lord. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It was only by your grace. It was only by your grace. It was only by your mercy and your love and your compassion. And I say thank you for saving a wretch like me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for rescuing me. Oh, I love you. I love you. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. And I surrender to you today out of worship with a heart of adoration. I I surrender to you again today. Oh, I love you, Father. Thank you for the gift of your Son. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sins so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you. I worship you. Now you can all just look up here again. This message should produce a boldness in you that you've never had before to go out and make a difference in somebody's life and to bring as many people to Jesus as you possibly can. Of course, Easter is a great week to do that. Over nine out of 10 will say yes if you just invite them to church. But before inviting them to church, just start by inviting them to Christ. Just talk about Jesus. But if you don't know how yet, that's okay. Invite them to church, and I will. I will. I will. Next Sunday, we're going to see. Today, we saw at least 20 people give their lives to Jesus. Just on Palm Sunday. Isn't that cool? Very cool. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Next week, I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying, everybody. Pray with me. Join with me in prayer that God would do the miraculous. Some of you have boldness in this room to talk to anybody and everybody about Jesus, but a lot of you don't. Maybe even those watching online, a lot of you, just, you're just not bold yet. But I want you to think about this, that if hell was not real, why did Jesus have to die? He had to because it's real. And it's going to be a reality for anybody that you know who doesn't accept Jesus as Savior. It'll be a reality for them. And I pray that that gives you boldness to reach out to them 
And I'm asking you to open up your hands toward heaven. And let's just pray that God would just give us boldness and opportunities. Could we do that? Open up your hands toward heaven if you want to. God, we need boldness. We need love in our hearts so deep, so true, that it creates a boldness in us to reach people who don't know you. God, remind us that people are like grass that withers and flowers that fall, flowers that fade. Remind us that this life is only temporary. But heaven and hell are eternal. Remind us, Father, I bless my church family, Father, with with knowledge and understanding, with deep understanding of the reality of heaven and the reality of hell and the finality of heaven and the finality of hell and that they would think eternal thoughts every day. And that they would live lives of boldness. I bless them with it today, Father. I speak that over their life. Lives of boldness and lives of love. Help us to win this community and this county and North Central Indiana for the glory of your name and the building of the family of God because their lives depend upon it. And I thank you for doing it. Help us to live our lives to make a difference, not just to make a point, but to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Now stay right where you are. Stay right where you are. I want to say one final thing. That the lives of those who are on the road to a very real place called hell depend on us. And they don't even know it. They don't have an understanding of that. They're just living their life for the temporary but they are depending on us. Every person in this community, in Marshall County, in Stark County, Fulton County, in Kosciuszko County, wherever you are, wherever your circle of influence is, they are depending on us. Lost people are depending on us. So let's speak the truth in love. Let's be bold. Not judgmental, not condemning, but lovingly sharing the truth of Jesus so that they could enjoy an eternity in heaven with their Savior. Let's live our life to make a difference. Let's live your life, live your life with purpose. Live your life with purpose. And we're going to see the goodness of our God in this community and in this generation and in this nation and around the world as we share the good news of Jesus. You receive the word of the Lord today. Amen. I love you guys. Next Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. 8, 9, 30, and 11. Bring as many people as you can with you because we're going to share the gospel of grace. God bless you guys. I love you. 
As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.